Amen. What an exciting thought that is. One day we'll see the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. I'm so thankful that you came back tonight, uh, knowing that I was preaching. Uh, that is a, a blessing and encouragement. And some of you are like, man, I forgot or I wouldn't have been here. But you're here now, and they lock the doors, and you're not allowed to leave till I'm done. Amen. I appreciate uh, the uh, kind words and the hospitality you've extended. If you're here as a visitor uh, tonight and this is your first time that you've been here, please don't hold this sermon against the church. Come back and hear Pastor Andrews, and uh, you'll hear a good message then. I'm praying this is a good message tonight. I'll see how good a job my wife did. Uh, I always tell people, if it's a good message, she wrote a good one. If it's a bad one, I wrote it, and... Uh, I, somebody after the service will come and tell me which it was, I'm sure. But no, seriously, it's been a joy and a privilege. Appreciate with A.G. and his family. Brother Zach took me out for lunch. We had a good time, a good time of fellowship there, getting to uh, know those folks. And what a blessing, caught a little nap, amen. There's something about Sunday afternoon naps that they're just sweet. I may not get one all week, but Sunday afternoon, I just look forward to that. It may only be 10 minutes, but I love a good Sunday afternoon nap. And some of you say, well, I didn't get mine. I'll get one here in a few minutes. And that'll be all right as long as you don't snore too loud, okay? Because then you start snoring, everybody else gets jealous, and it can get contagious, and everybody will be asleep. And then it'll look like the nursery, amen? And, uh, but uh, it's been good to be here. I thank the Lord for his blessing. Thank the Lord for this church. I got acquainted with this church almost 23 years ago now when I became the pastor of uh, Pleasure Ridge Baptist Church in Ellisville, Mississippi. Brother Jerry George was a pastor at that time and has uh, became my friend then and still is a dear friend. And this church has been such a blessing over the years to us as we would come and fellowship during the time we were in Ellisville. We came back for different meetings and Men's for Christ meetings and things that you had over the years and what a privilege it uh, it has been, and then, of course, what you have done uh, as a church for the Beams Ministry, Brother Dombeck being uh, out of this church and you supporting us. And so we just thank God for this church. Thank God for your pastor. And uh, I was telling Brother AJ, the first time I preached for Brother Andrews, he was on a trip, and I may have shared this last time, and they got stuck, weather or something. He was pastoring there uh, in Monroe, and uh, got very desperate for somebody to fill in. They couldn't get back last minute. He called Brother Ferret. And you know the blessing of having an assistant? An assistant's going to do whatever he tells you. And Brother Fred said, hey, you're not scheduled to preach anywhere this Sunday. I think this was like Saturday. And I said, no. He said, good. He said, I've got a friend of mine, and uh, you need to go preach for him and fill his pulpit. I said, okay, where's that? He said, West Monroe. You need to be there in the morning. I said, yes, sir. So I got up early in the morning, drove up there, preached all day, and drove back to, to Gulfport. Had a wonderful time. They were very gracious and, and uh, uh, since been able to get to meet and know your pastor and very excited about what God is doing uh, in this place. If you'll take your Bibles and turn to the book of Judges, uh, the book of Judges there quickly. And as you're turning, you know, guys, when they get together and talk, you know, they, they kind of, I guess you'd say stretch the truth a little bit, or, or, or they don't want to really be honest about things. And, and, and I heard about a conversation that a couple guys had, and this one guy called his old engineering buddy, and he asked him what he was working on these days, and he said, 
I'm currently working on aguothermal treatment of ceramics, aluminum, and steel under constrained environment. Why, his buddy on the other end of the phone was like, wow, that's really impressive. And so he wanted to know more about this project, thought it was something really tremendous. And so he continued to pressure him and pressure him. Finally, he learned that he was washing dishes with hot water under his wife's supervision. Been there, done that. Amen. No man wants to admit to that. There was a storm uh, raging and the captain realized his ship was sinking fast and he called out, anyone here knows how to pray? A pastor stepped forward and said, Captain, I'm a pastor and I know how to pray. Good, said the captain. You pray while the rest of us put on our life jackets. We're one short. Mrs. Watson during... Uh, the pastor's sermon on Jesus' teaching that we should love our enemies, the pastor asked the congregation to raise their hands if they had enemies. Everyone did except for Mrs. Watson in the front row who had just turned 95. Mrs. Watson, the pastor asked, how could you possibly live for 95 years and have no enemies? That's easy, she replied. I just outlived them. Mary Hart did good like a medicine, amen. It's good to be in God's house tonight, and I want to talk and share about uh, a character that we find not much is written about him. Uh, only a couple verses in the Word of God is written about this man, and his name is Shamgar. In verse 31, I'm only going to read one verse, in Judges chapter 3 and verse 31, the Bible says, and after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath which slew the Philistines 600 men with an ox goad, and he also delivered Israel. Father, we love you, and we thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being in thy house tonight. Pray, Lord, you'll bless Pastor Andrews and his family, Lord, and the trip they're at, and give them safety. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of standing behind the pulpit tonight. And, Lord, oh, what a song the choir sang, the special, the congregational singing. Lord, I thank you, Lord. Uh, for that, how it touched and blessed my heart. Now, Lord, as I open the Word of God, I pray, Lord, that you will speak within as I speak without and let your Holy Spirit have full rule and reign. We come to the invitation time, Lord. May we be obedient to the working of the Holy Spirit. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Several years ago when I was a young uh, a pastor, just starting pastoring, I went to this preacher's fellowship and uh, over in Florida in the Pensacola area at this little church. And, and uh, as I arrived and I got there a little late because it was bivocational. And so I left for my job and got in there and the service had already started. And, and this man got up to be the special and I think he was also the speaker that night. And he pulled out this guitar and it looked kind of like a homemade guitar and, and it was, it was kind of rough. And it didn't look like a whole whole lot as you would see and look at that, that guitar. Now, I've been in church uh, since I was about five years old going to church. And, and I've heard specials that, you know, just raise the roof. And I've heard specials that makes angels cry. And through the services and different ones. And I saw that, that guitar and, and uh, my immaturity and judgmentalness, I thought, oh my, we're in for one here. And look at the look at the guitar. And so I had kind of had my head down and was preparing, getting ready for the message. 
And all of a sudden, I heard this beautiful music coming from this guitar. I don't remember the preacher's name. I don't even remember the sermon that was preached that night. But I remember sitting there and thinking, and the Holy Spirit preaching to me, said, you made a judgment on that instrument without knowing the master that was going to play the instrument. You judged that that instrument wasn't going to be pleasing or really be able to use because you looked at it and it looked a little worn and it didn't look like it come from the best place. But you forgot the master that was playing the guitar. Some of you years ago remember uh, that the song about the old violin and the auctioneer. When I look at this passage of Scripture and find this man by the name of Shamgar and I start looking at him, I had the thought, the Holy Spirit gave me this thought of God using the ordinary to do the extraordinary. God wants to use us. Sometimes we think we're kind of like that guitar. I grew up in a small village, the village of Islin in western Pennsylvania. Little coal mining town, all the houses look basically the same. Hardly anybody knows of that place or where it's at. I went to a church that was an old one-room schoolhouse that they converted uh, into a church. But it was there I heard about the Lord. It was there that I got saved. It was there that I began learning how to serve God. But as a boy growing up and thinking and looking and seeing evangelists and missionaries and seeing churches, I thought, Wow, you know, those guys must come from really special places and, and have really good pedigrees and really come from these great, great backgrounds. Never did I think in my life that God would give me the privilege and God would use me and let me go the places that, that He is, has done in my life. I've been able to go to Peru, I've been able to go to Mexico, I've been able to travel around in the States and preach the Word of God. I've been able to meet people from, from all walks of life, and, and I stop and think from times that this is the little, gay, little kid that grew up there in western uh, Pennsylvania in a little town that nobody knew. Why? What an amazing thing. God, how could you do that? God, I'm just amazed that I get to do that, that I get to stand here tonight. Lord, I'm just ordinary. I know who I am. I know my failures. I know my faults. I know the dings. I know the imperfections in me. But God wants to take what we may think is ordinary, and he wants to do the extraordinary. That's what I believe Shamgar's life is about. I believe as we look at Shamgar in our our text tonight, he is not one if we would say, hey, name me some of the great warriors in the Bible. Well, first off, I'd probably go with David. Man, David was, he was a bad dude. I mean, everywhere you turn, David was wiping somebody out. And he was taking them out, Goliath, and on down the line. Then you read about David's mighty man. I mean, not only was David a force to be reckoned with, God sent him some men that were forces to be reckoned with as well. I mean, they break through, and just to go get him uh, water, the nerves that it took, the skill that it took to go and do what they would do just for the love of their, their king. And we could think of Gideon. We could go through many of them, but I never have heard anybody say, well, hey, what about Shamgar? What about him? What a mighty warrior Shamgar was. Boy, do, what do you think about it? I don't ever hear of uh, little boys wanting to play characters in the Bible saying, I'm going to be Shamgar. 
But folks, I want you to know tonight, God did an amazing thing. God recorded him in Scripture for us these many years later to learn from his life. We see, first of all, as we look at the man, as we've already been alluding to in the introduction, that Shamgar, the man, not much specific is given about him. The Bible just says in verse 31, and after him uh, was Shamgar, the son of Anath. And so we find that Anath could be his father's name, or maybe he was from Beth Anan and found in Joshua chapter 15 and verse 59, which is the southern city of Judah. But that's, that's all we know. There's not a lot about him. We have a few verses. We'll look at two verses in, in chapter 5 in just a moment. But he, there wasn't a whole lot about him. As you think of a man being a warrior, you don't think of Shamgar. Why? Shamgar was a farmer. He, he was a farmer. When we read this passage of Scripture, we find that he was there with an ox goat. Well, what's an ox goat? What's an ox goat used for? So I began to look up what an ox goat was. It was not a weapon. It was an agricultural tool. It was a pole some 8 to 10 feet in length, about 2 inches in, in diameter. One end had a sharp point on her tip on it, and the other end had like a shovel on, on the, the bottom of it. It was used, uh, that long tip, as you were plowing, and the ox decided, you know what? My union says I get a break. I'm taking a break. And the farmer says, no, we're not taking a break. Mama's got cornbread in the oven. we got to get finished so I can go get some cornbread. Amen? And so uh, the ox wouldn't go, and he pulls on the reins. And so he says, well, I'm going to let the oxen get the point of this thing, and he'd take the point. Oh, that went right over y'all's head. He gave him the point, and he, he would poke them and get them to move along. The other end is times they're plowing and they're going through, and he would get in a bunch of clay or a bunch of roots would get around that plow, there, that blade of the plow, and he couldn't go anymore, and he'd have to stop and pick that plow out, and he'd take that shovel and cut, use the end of it to cut the root, and he would clean off that clay and move those things around. So it wasn't what you would consider a mighty weapon. Man, you're going into battle, I'd want a sword. You're going, in that day, a sling, a bow and arrow, something, not this big, cumbersome, long pole. So he was a soldier, or he wasn't a soldier, he was a farmer. He, he was an ordinary man who was living in a difficult time. So we see the man, we see him, a hard-working man, probably a good man, loved his family, believe he loved the Lord as we read in the Scripture. We see God using him, but he wasn't extraordinary to the people around. He was not one that the enemies would be afraid of. Let's stop and look at the, the time when he's living in. You see, sometimes we think when God is going to use us, there are specific times. Some that go back and some that uh, that uh, little grayer than I am, been around the block, remember the, the heyday of the Sunday school movement in the 60s and 70s. And boy, Sunday school was just booming in churches. And preachers during that time said, boy, you go to start a church, you almost had to put the old proverbial shingle, put a sign out, we're having a church. And, and if there was no church in the, the community, people would come. Why? They had what they call blue laws. Nothing was open on Sunday. Nothing was going on. So people would get together and go to church on Sunday morning. And more you hear the great revivals of some of those preachers and all that God was doing. And, and sometimes you would think, wow, you know, and that's the day and age in which I'd like to live in. 
Shamgar was not living in the heyday of Israel. He's living in the time of the judges. He's literally the mess that he is living in. In some ways, I see America. I see what is happening here in America and what is going on. You see, Israel had a cycle in the book of Judges that you will read and see. First of all, you'll see that God has blessed them, and then they'll get into sin. You see, the blessings of God and, and prosperity many times, if we're not careful, that prosperity will get a hold of us, and that prosperity will get us to forget where those blessings came from. And we'll start serving and start enjoying those blessings and start enjoying those things. And before long, we're moving away from God and we're able to do more things. And, and Israel would get away from God and they started fellowshipping with the other nations. They started bringing in their gods and they began to sin. And because of their sin, which God told them he would do, he would began to judge them. And as he judged them, one of the judgments was these other nations would come in and they would be in servitude. So you have this time of sin and then you have this time of servitude. Well, they would get in that servitude and many times it would get so bothersome and, and at first you would see quickly they would begin to pray. Other times it was years of praying and, and seeking God. And then God would send, uh, after the supplication, God would send a salvation. That we see those, the judges as we call them in the book of Judges, where they would come in and Gideon and those and Samson and God would raise them up to help get them out of the servitude. But then we'd find them again, go back in the sin and servitude and the supplication, salvation. This is the time in which Shamgar is living. People are doing that which is right in their own eyes. We find in verse number 2 of chapter 4 that the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, that reigned in Hazor. And then we find about Sisera, and you probably remember, remember that, uh, that fellow and the, the nail and, and the, the lady driving the stake, Jael driving the stake through his head, uh, temples. But we find this is a time, and while Jabin and the king, they're in control, the Philistines had, would take out bands, and they would come in, and they were just kind of bandits, so to speak. Uh, they would come in, different sizes, different groups. They would come in, and they would wait for the Philist or wait for Israel to get their crops in. They would let them do all the work, and they would let them get them all together, and then they would come in and take it. That's why you read later in the book of Gideon, uh, where he's threshing at a wine press. That's not where you're supposed to thresh. You're supposed to thresh at the threshing floor and press the grapes at the wine press. But he was hiding. Why? Because he knew that if he was out there, Philistines would have their spies and see, hey, look, Gideon's got a good crop. And they'd wait. He'd get it all threshed, get that wheat ready, and they'd come in. And they would steal it all, and they would take it. So these bands were just coming in, and then they're under Jabin. And so it, well, what I'm saying is it was a tough time. We find over in chapter number 5, if you'll flip over there, in verse number 6, uh, it, uh, in the song of Deborah here, and, and Barak, as he's singing this song, she makes reference to Shamgar. Verse 6 says, In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anah, in the days of Jael, the highways were unoccupied, and the travelers walked through byways. The inhabitants of the villages ceased. They ceased in Israel until... 
that I, Deborah, arose, that I arose a mother in Israel. We find that not only did you have these Philistines coming in, it was a very dangerous time. It was so dangerous that many folks were not even traveling the roads due to the Philistine presence coming in and robbing them. What did that mean? That meant that the caravans and traveling bringing the goods ceased. How would we equate it today? If the truckers stopped running, if the truck drivers could not not come, young people, there would not be food in Walmart or the grocery store. Uh, Truckers got to bring that. There's only a couple days worth of food in a grocery store. If the truckers can't come uh, because of the violence and it's not safe, and then the food stops moving and different products, or if you have products that you need to get to market and you can't go because it's not safety, hey, economically, it's in a bad way. Hey, there's sin, and God is judging them, and they've got the enemy coming on. What I'm saying is, is it looked like a bleak day. Every day was kind of a difficult day. Spiritually for Israel, it was a difficult time. It was economically a difficult time. Politically, every man is doing that which is right in their own eyes. So it was a difficult time. We could say it was a sure enough mess that he was living in. See, sometimes we think God's going to use us. Everything has to fall into place and be perfect. But it doesn't. God wants to use you. So what is the message here quickly from Shamgar? We see the man. We see the mess that he's in. We see this battle. And how can I apply that? How can that be a part of my life? Well, first of all, uh, the message from Shamgar's life is he fought where and when he was. He fought where and when he was. He did not give in to fear. He did not wait for better circumstances. He did not wait for somebody else. He fought where and when he was. As I mentioned a little bit earlier in my sermon about the time when churches were really growing, independent Baptist churches were growing like crazy, and and it seemed to be a better time. There was times as I got in the ministry and pastoring, and I thought, wow, you know, if I was back then, what kind of work could I have done? Then I I thought, wow, you know, if I could be the pastor of Central Baptist Church, man, my life would be easy. Boy, it would be good, and I could have all kinds of ministry, but I'm over here, and it's not perfect, and this is happening, this is tough, and economically in our area, it's tough. Uh, And we start looking and making excuses. No, God knows where you are, God knows when you are, and God wants to use you now, not tomorrow. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Our life is but a vapor. It's here for a moment and gone. How many of us know people that yeah, we saw them one day and they seemed perfectly healthy and then we got the phone call the next day uh, that they were gone into eternity. Sudden heart attack, uh, a car accident. We're not guaranteed of tomorrow. God wants us to serve Him now where you're at. When He wants you to move, He'll let you know. He'll open the door and He will move you. But until then, you need to uh, fight. You need to stand. We're in a spiritual battle, and we need to fight where we are. Uh, listen, uh, we need not, also we need to fight with what we have. Shamgar fought with what he had. Not only did Shamgar fight where and when he was, 
but he fought with what he had. Like I said earlier, sometimes we think, well, man, if I could play the piano and sing like Zach, boy, boy, God could really use me. But I'm just a farmer. Oh, why? I can't preach like Brother Andrew. I can't do that. God can't use me. Shamgar was in this battle, and all he had was an ox goat. And he fought. No matter how weak you think your weapons are, put them in the hand of God and watch him do great things with him. I'm reminded in Scripture, God said to Moses, what do you got in your hand? Well, it's just a rod, just an ordinary rod that shepherds had from being a shepherd that he carried. He said, all right, you toss it down, it becomes a snake. I'd have never touched that rod again. I'd have been God. God would have had to chase me down two miles down the road. I said, Lord, I ain't sleeping with that thing in my house. I'd be thinking every night I'd hear something, I'd be looking at that rod. It turned into a snake. That's just me. Maybe you wouldn't be like that. There in Exodus chapter 4. Hey, think about David. We look at David as a great warrior. But when we find David going against Goliath, David had a sling that he knew how, how to use, and he had some pebbles in his bag, and he was going out to fight. Why? Because he knew God wanted him to go into battle. He didn't go in there foolishly in and of himself thinking, well, hey, I killed a lion and bear. This guy's no different. No, he went in there. Why? He knew God allowed him to do that, and God was leading him, and God would do the victory, and what he needed to do was give God what he had and use what he had for the glory of God. So God took that rock, took that sling, and he slew a giant. Now we find later on David carrying swords. I don't know if we ever read about him using the sling in battle again, but he used swords after that. I think about that widow's meal of 1 Kings chapter 17. That's all. All she had was a little bit of a meal, a little bit of oil. How, what is this? I'm going to eat this. Me Make a cake for me and my son. We're going to die. But the man of God came in, and, and she received a word from God, good faith promise in here, and said, you give to God first, and God's going to take care of you. God's going to provide. And so she went and made that cake for that preacher and, and gave it to him, and she went back in, and there was enough to make for her, her and her son. She got up the next day, and there was still uh, enough to make for that day and the next day. And it went on, and it went on. It never wasted, never went empty. But if she would have said, no, I can't cook for you. I don't have the big meal. I don't have all this in my house. You just need to go on down the road. She would have died. But God saved her and the prophet because she gave the meal. I think of the little boy's lunch in John chapter 6. I think of Dorcas's thread in Acts chapter 9 and verse 39. Shamgar fought with what he had. But third, we find that Shamgar, about Shamgar, he stood his ground. He just made up his mind to fight. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Where, where's that line, man? Where, where's that line that you're not going to cross, that you're going to stand, that you're not going to compromise your beliefs, you're not going to compromise the Word of God? What's the line? Where, where's that line? You see, there came a day, there came a time, I don't know how many times they had come to his, 
to his land, how many times he dealt with them. But there came this day, and Shamgar said, that's it. Live or die, this is where I'm standing. Say what you will, Philistines. Come at me what you will. I may die here today, but I am standing because this is God's ground. This is God's inheritance. This is God's blessing that he's given us. And I'm not turning tail and running. Folks, we've got so many churches that are closing across America. It breaks my heart. Because it has happened to me personally, churches that I was involved with years ago, that the doors are closing. Somebody decided not to stand their ground. Paul charged Timothy to stand. We can go in Galatians 5 for the sake of time, and we'll keep moving on. Acts 20, 24, and I, and I think about all those men, but stand fast. Quit you like men. Will you stand? What is your belief? What is the ground? Where is that point where you say, I'm not giving up any more ground. I'm not turning around. I'm not going back. I'm going to stand, and with God's help, I'm going to fight, and with God's help, I'll be victorious. Then if not, I'm going to go down swinging. I'm going to go down fighting because this is right and this ground that I'm on is holy ground it is right it is proper and I'm standing he said that's it I'm not moving I'm going to stand my ground and then fourth he left the results up to God you see when he went into battle he didn't know if he was going to win I don't know if it was 600 at a time. I don't know if he was out there and there was others that came. Uh, you know, debate. All the Bible says is it Shamgar, 600, uh, it, uh, was one against 600, and the one won. Because greater is he that is uh, in us than he that is in the world. Amen. Uh, he had the majority because you and God make a majority. And he said, I'm going to stand, but i got to leave the results up to God. 1 Thessalonians 3.12 says, And the Lord make you increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Every time he fought, he put his life on the line. Acts 15.26 talks about men that hazard their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I've been reading uh, about this uh, pastor uh, that was in Romania and them coming in and taking him and putting him uh, in prison and what he went through and, and how he was standing and they were threatening to kill him. And he said, well, he said, if you kill me, you're only going to make the message go even more. You're going to make me a martyr. He was willing to give his life. His wife was willing to give up his life. Why? To stand their ground, to stand upon the word of God, to stand upon the preaching of the word of God. Samgar trusted God with his life. Live or die, he would stand for the Lord and for what is right. What about you tonight? Have you made that decision? We quoted it this morning where Paul said, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose I want not, for I am in a strait betwixt, having the desire to part and to be with Christ is far better. But he said, As long as God leaves me here, I'm going to live for." Christ. He stood his ground. He stood his ground. As I've often wondered, why only 600? That's all that came by. I think word got out that said it ain't worth going down to that parcel of land. 
there's a crazy farmer guy that's got some serious ninja skills, man. He took that he took that ox goad and was spinning and doing things with that ox goad. Man, we couldn't believe it. He took off this guy's head with that shovel hand. I don't know how he did it. Hey, he knocked the sword out of this guy's hand. Hey, see, you remember Bubba? Or, or, yeah, Bubba, I know him. He was over there. Yeah, Shamgar got him too. You remember Ralph? Yeah, he got Ralph too. Well, they were the best swordsmen that we had. We had. He's, yeah, that crazy farmer took him out. How did he do it? Well, the rumor is and the word is that his God helped him. But all I know is I ain't going down there and messing around with that fella no more. I ain't going anywhere near him. Because his God has given him the ability. You see, last of all, Shamgar enjoyed the victory. Every time he fought and he walked off the field, off the battlefield, the victor, God honored his faith and he will honor yours too. Folks, we are not defeated. We may be ridiculed by this world. We may be mocked by this world. We may be looked at as insignificant. But Jesus told us in John 16, at the end of the verse, he said, I have overcome the world. We should be living in victory, not in defeat. Shamgar lived in victory. Why? Because he was willing. See, the Bible says in Psalm 92, 12 through 14, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. Shamgar, just a farmer, out trying to provide for his family, doing what he was supposed to do, took what he had, placed his trust in God, gave it to God, and a great victory and many people were blessed because he said, God, I've got an ox goat. This is what I have. I'm not giving up ground. I'm going to stand and fight. And God says, I can use him. So he's saying, I'm Mississippi. I can use that old boy. I'm going to do something with him and through him because God wanted the victory. God wants to do the same in your life. Will you give your life to him? Will you serve where you are and now not worrying about down the future, but today I'm going to serve the Lord. When and where you are and with what you have. And when God says you need something else like David, he started with a sling. He ended up with a sword and a whole army to do the battle. But it started with using that sling. Shamgar, just an ox goat. Let's stand with our heads.